The following is a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is Hoopball presentation. Make sure to check out Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets, online hoop-ball.com. Uh, definitely a whole lot of great content. Got our NBA Draft live show, which by the time you listen, this will be today. So definitely tune in for that. Uh, got our NBA Draft guide. It's NBA Draft season. We are in the thick of it. The offseason is right underway. And in the spirit of that, I brought on another guest. Yes, I'm getting in for the draft coverage. I'm very happy with myself. Pound the back there. But let's give another pound the back for Clayton Conover. You can find him on Twitter at 650-303-BALL. Check him out. He's a writer for Prep Hoops Colorado and Hoops Prospect. Clayton, hi. I mean, Clayton, how you doing, man? Doing great right now. Just happy to be here. Hey, man. Same. That's two of us right now. <laughs> Draft happening by the time folks listen tonight. So I'm really pumped. It's been a long time. It feels like the draft is always in the back burner, right? And then it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And that old time feels so prolonged. And then it's here and 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 here we are. And I always do the same thing as an NBA, like I guess fan, where I am somewhat aware of the top six guys. Um, you know, maybe top seven, maybe top six, top seven, always in that range. And then it comes, I'm like, oh my God, I need to know. But I never feel like I'm the person to be qualified to tell people about it. So I try to get others on. So we've had like, you know, um, Stone Hansen on. I've had um, um, from um, um, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft yep. Junkies. So I've been trying to get different people in. Happy to get you on as well, man. Let's, let's kind of dive into it. I, I want to start with, and I want to take like the least amount of time possible because I know he's number one, but I just want to like get from your perspective why he's a clear-cut number one, no argument to be had. Of course, that's Cade Cunningham. I feel like we focus on him so much that people are kind of talking themselves, not out of him, but like trying to find holes that weren't there to begin with and still aren't there. Um, is that kind of the sense you're getting? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, we got to remember he's 20 points per game score straight out of college, uh, you know, his freshman year, 6'8", 220 pounds. I mean, this guy is legit. Uh, you know, he, he, I think he was 87th percentile in isolation scoring, uh, you know, so that's, uh, that's legit right there, you know. And also another thing, too, this is the first time that OSU, Oklahoma State, has been to the round of 32 in the tournament since 2009, you know. So there's... There's uh, totally a correlation there with him being there. Um, now, when we get to like overthinking it, I think, uh, you know, the main thing that gets brought up is his turnovers. Uh, you know, I think it was 3.5 assists to four turnovers a game. So, uh, you know, not what you want for a point guard. Uh, but we also got to remember, too, you know, he was on a, long, a younger team, uh, you know, out of like the top seven rotation guys for OSU. Uh, only two of them were junior or senior class all the rest of them were sophomores or freshmen so um you know he just didn't have a lot of help on the roster there and uh you know he's a guy who you know you can slot into just about any role you know he was in the 90th percentile in catch and shoot jumpers uh 95th percentile on guarded catch and shoot jumpers too oh Um, okay I think he actually shot better on guarded shots. So you know, um, that's just a testament, though, to his skill and his confidence. And, uh, you know, he's going to be really dang good. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Uh, do you have any 
qualms or concerns. And I've, I've heard a few arguments like for and against the fact that he only averaged, uh, you know, three and a half assists per game as like the primary offensive initiative for that team. Um, where do you buy in in terms of his playmaking um, translating to the NBA level? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a legit playmaker. He makes, uh, you know, at the very least, you know, basic reads. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the other thing is, too, you know, he has so much scoring gravity that it's just going to be easier for him to, you know, make kickout passes that wouldn't be there for another guy that wouldn't be able to create a shot like that. Okay. Um, you know, to attract a double team, he's able to understand where's the weak side help coming from, and you can make that pass out. Um you know, again, with the turnovers, you know, that's definitely an issue. But at the same time, like, I think we really need to see what he can do with more help around him. And with Detroit, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. He's going to have Sadiq Bay. He's going to have some floor space in there. Uh, Jeremy Grant, of course. Uh, you know, and Killian Hayes is going to be coming back, too, as a really cool complimentary secondary creator there. Yeah, I'm actually intrigued by the fit there. Killian Hayes, obviously, you know, short in season injury, wasn't doing super hot when he was in, you know, at least to start. And of course, rookie point guard, you know, kind of given the keys already, it's a lot to deal with. But you go from that to, okay, now you're sharing the floor with, you know, potentially, I mean, not potentially, the guy in Cade. Uh, I think GM uh, Weaver had the funniest quote where he's like, hey, we won 20 games. Like, what are you talking about? Like, fit, basically. <laughs> I love that line. Um, like, he is. Yeah, he is something else. I'm um, Troy. That was that was the funniest line I've heard in a while from Troy Weaver. <laughs> um, but okay, so we we definitely got that. K locked in. I guess here's where the intrigue kind of starts, and depending on what you think about it, where do you look at? Let's do you know draft range two through six. You know you have um Evan Mobley, you have Jalen's Jalen Greens, Jalen Suggs, John the Kaminga, Scotty Barnes, although. Kaminga's kind of slipped to some. I'm not sure where he is in your um, draft board. I'm very interested to hear that. Kind of how do you have the, the two through six spots sorting out? Because I feel like that's like the next like cluster of like potentially premier NBA talent. Yeah. So let's start off with what the order probably will be, assuming there's no trades. Um, it's probably going to go with Jalen Green to Houston. At least that's what's been all the rumors surrounding with his workouts. I don't think even Mobley wants to work out in Houston either. Uh, mm, yeah. So, you know, that's an issue. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's probably going to be Jalen Green going to Houston. Then we got Mobley to Cleveland. Uh, those, you know, huge lineup there, of course, with uh, Jared Allen, assuming he's re-signed. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, going next to Toronto, it's looking like Jalen Suggs is a pretty good fit there just because, you know, Kyle Lowry's likely on his way out. And if not, uh, you know, no better mentor for Jalen Suggs than Kyle Lowry. Uh, you know, and then Orlando is where it gets a little tricky. Um, you know, I, I would probably lean on the side. They're going to lean towards Barnes right now uh, just because of his, you know, he's a floor general and he's incredibly competitive now. Granted, he doesn't really fit what they need. They already have a lot of defensive big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to go what's best available and hope it works out. True. Um, and then for OKC, you know, they're probably going for Kaminga at that point. But I am hearing also a lot of rumors, you know, of course, with Book Knight. Uh, so in all likelihood, it's probably going to be Book Knight actually going OKC. Uh, oh. Just because they want to have that complimentary score with SGA. Uh, now, for what I, what I think should be the top, you know, two through six, regardless of fit. I mean, I think Mobley's my clear number two. That's for me, though. Okay. Um, Why do you have him there, if I may ask? Like, I'm, I'm very intrigued on the argument for Mobley, because I feel like he's also been somebody kind of knocked in recent draft circles I've been hearing, at least from some in terms of maybe the ascension of Jalen Green or the comparison of the two. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no doubt, like, with Jalen Green, you know, he's an elite scorer on, you know, all three levels, and, uh, you know, he, he proved that he can do it against bigger guys. 
there's no doubt in my mind about that you know to make it very clear like the top one through three any of these guys can be a number one overall pick in any in most classes you know barring a Zion Williamson type of player um now for for Mobley though the reason I like him so much is because of his passing uh it's not often you can find a big with his uh you know ability to defend the rim and also defend it without fouling uh, I think it was the other day I was looking up a number I think it was per 100 possessions he's He's only fouling, I think, three times per 100 possessions. Oh, wow. um, you know, but he's averaging, you know, five blocks per 100 possessions. So um, the reason I bring that up is because you, know, you see guys like Isaiah Jackson. Uh, he's come up, you know, as a, you know, an elite shot blocker in this class. Um, and like if you were to look at like, let's say, per 40 minutes uh, instead of per 100 possessions, you know, per 40 minutes, he's averaging right around as many blocks as he is fouls. For that time so he's like you know right around five and a half for each of those mm-hmm. um and you know that's what's important because like we look at guys like Wiseman who just came out that guy was fouling out all the time you know he's getting foul trouble had issues but if you got a guy like Mobley who's an ambidextrous shot blocker you know you can go with either hand uh and he's not fouling guys but he's also you know making you get away from the rim mm-hmm. that's big because he's yeah. not going to bite on your pump fakes for the majority of the time uh he's going to stay down he's going to maximize his length and that is huge for a guy who's a defensive um, savant. Now, with the passing, I, I forgot exactly what the number was, but it was it had to do with assist percentage and another number. Um, but since that, those advanced stats have been created in 2008, mm-hmm. he had the best of those passing numbers oh, wow. ever. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, you know, if you can have a guy like him who – you know, can potentially attract some at-rim pressure on the offensive end. You know, that's a guy you can, you know, once the double comes, you can pass it out. Uh, or you can even, you know, find the cutters. Uh, you know, he he was really good at finding cutters uh, and also locating his brother, Isaiah Mobley. Uh, they did a great job and they had a great connection out there. So ultimately, if you're getting Mobley, you're not just banking on the defensive end, you're looking at him also as an offensive guy with a lot of projection. Uh you know, the main knock is, you know, I think he was 29th percentile in post-ups this year, which makes sense. He's really skinny. He's only about 210 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a really high center of gravity, too, you know, so it's going to be tough to level yeah. his face. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be a key for him. If he wants to really dominate inside uh, on the ball, that's going to be a lot tougher for him if he's only 210 pounds. He's going to have to gain weight. That's okay. um, but the thing is, he was pretty dang good on spot up attempts, and also he was pretty effective out of pick and pop situations. Uh, let's see what the number was. Um, yeah, on unguarded catch and shoot situations, he put up like 1.25 points per possession or in the 68th percentile. Okay, so you know, he has potential to really be a decent floor spacer going forward, and that's what you need if you're going to play him along with Jared Allen in Cleveland. Uh, you're going to have to be able to space out the floor just a little bit. hundred percent. I was going to say, um, oh yeah, I was going to say um, in terms of the shooting with Jared Allen, that was my one interest because in Houston, you at least see a fit between him and Christian Wood, maybe in terms of either or playing the four or five, having him space out, having him be that kind of inside guy. Both of them guys can do that. Jared Allen is not that type of player, but I think if you, I mean, obviously we know in terms of shooting the ball, I think he's knocked down like a few in the past, but in terms of having a guy consistently um, able to put rim pressure um, in Jared Allen, I guess you would have that juxtaposed by the outside shooting of Mobley. Would you think that 
on a team with scoring guards, at least as of right now, in Colin Sexton, Darius Garland as well, um, having the guy in Jared Allen, having still Kevin Love, that Mobley can kind of slot in as someone who can be like a kind of pass the ball around type of five while also being a, a stretch uh, stretch big. Is that kind of where he slots in? Do you think that the comfort level for him is easier than, let's say, in Houston or any other potential destination at the top for him? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think uh, I think with Cleveland, it really works pretty well, you know, because sure, the uh, you know, the shooting is more, more of a projection than anything right now. Uh, but he's not that far behind. Uh, you know, I really think within the next year or two, he'll be a, a pretty consistent pick and pop guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing is, too, you know, you got it's kind of like a, it's a really weird situation there because you have two like six, three guards as your main ball handlers. And then you have like two seven footers on the opposite end. Yeah. You know, who are, are neither of which, you know, elite floor spacers so it's kind of funky but at the same time uh you know it might honestly work out really well it's because you have two guys uh down low in the front court who are that tall and they are you know defensive savants uh who can perfectly complement you know guys like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton who you know just have to focus on on shooting and scoring you know that it makes it a lot easier with that mm-hmm. okay got you that sounds good I, I like him I think that he's someone that I'm definitely intrigued by in terms of it, because he's flashed a little bit of everything, but I haven't seen it where I'm like, absolutely, 100%. I mean, even Wiseman, he had such a small sample size last year, but I was like, you know what? Okay, maybe I bought a little bit into the hype of projecting what he could be. And because of that, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on Mobley, even though what we've seen from him in terms of fluidity, in terms of the way he fits on the floor as a modern big, it, it seems hand in glove as far as a fit is concerned. So maybe I'm leaning a little bit the opposite direction. I need to calm down there. But that that's definitely really cool. Um, I, I guess I want to turn to the Jalen's now. Jalen Green. Jalen Suggs. Uh, Jalen Green's got a lot of hype. I can't lie. I'm a big fan of his. He's grown on me in terms of just that athleticism, that explosive scoring ability, the way he's able to create separation on his shots. Um, I also have a type for like streaky kind of shooters, um, guys who have a lot of flash, a lot of pop. I'm a Monte Ellis fan through and through, like guys <laughs> like that. So I may just kind of be leading into um, that territory there. But what, what is the difference between him and some of Jalen Suggs, who I've gotten or I've um, read a lot of like Chauncey Billups kind of comparisons, kind of a steady floor general, really a, a QB, which is hilarious given that, you know, he played QB, um, as we know, all the time from every college game he was in and his relation to uh, Terrell Suggs in the NFL. So what do you think about, you know, first Jalen Green, then Jalen Suggs and how they may fit on their respective teams as we see it right now um, in this, you know, current draft order? Yeah, well, I mean, Jalen Green's just uh, – he's a wired scorer, you know. He's going to be going for your throat as much as possible. And, uh, you know, he's he's interesting because, you know, he's so athletic. You know, he's got that elite first step. He can you – know, I don't know what his vertical is, but it's mm-hmm. easily above 40 Some, inches. Yeah. Easily. Uh, you know, he can you know he can readjust midair to on finishes down low, but he can also hit you with step-back threes pretty consistently, you know. Uh, you know, he shot like 36% on NBA range threes this year with above 80% from the line. That's legit. Wow. That's solid. Yeah. That's real um, solid. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing with Jalen Green is, uh, you know, I think the key for him, right, like it's balancing that athletic pop with pace. Because, um, you know, quite a few times, you know, he would get in the lane and he would actually, you know, heck, hesitate a little bit and use a move to catch the defender, you know, try to try to draw them out. And once they got drawn out, he would attack again. Um and it's really just about kind of what's the word? It's just, yeah, it's about uh, finding that balance, mm. you know, find that balance between like pace uh, within the margins and being able to really take advantage of that. And I think that's something he will be able to do eventually. It's just, you know, it's going to take time and to, uh, you know, 
really study and learn these elite defenders. Okay, um, definitely. Yeah, you know, he's just going to be an elite scorer, uh, straight up. Yeah. Now for mm-hmm. uh, for Suggs, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a you know an elite passer, a high energy guy. Uh, you know, I think he had an offer from Ohio State to play quarterback. You know? Wow! Wow! You know, so he uh, <laughs> he. Yeah, he's just a very, very high IQ guy, uh, not to mention, uh, you know, of course, the, the great run they had at Gonzaga as well. Um, you know, he, he's going to be one of those guys. He's a dog, you know, in the sense that, you know, he's going to be going for loose balls. He's going to be fighting for every possession. Uh, you know, that's the type of guy that every coach loves uh, because he's going to be playing it all on the floor every single time. He's going to put his body on the line. Um so, yeah, I think Jalen Suggs, I mean, I, you should be excited for him, especially if he's going to Toronto. Uh, you know, there's few better developmental systems there, uh, especially, you know, the one knock on him right now is his jump shot. It's pretty streaky. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, like, if that's the worst thing, you know, if your jump shot's a little streaky, you know, yeah. everything else is there. I mean, come on. You got to let that uh, go with that <laughs> work out. You're not doing that bad if that's the worst you have to go through. Yeah, exactly. Out of the two, who do you have more confidence in as a shooter? You know, Jalen Suggs, I think I think he had a knock as that. I think he shot 33% um, in college on that, where you saw that Jalen Green definitely has that shot in his bag as well. Um, I feel so funny using the word bag now. But he <laughs> shot 36%, you know, in the G League. I'm not sure, obviously, the, there's a different quality of shots, all that good stuff. But it seems like Jalen Green is even is more comfortable getting into his shot off the dribble than he is having that shot made for him just because he likes having the ball in his hands. Um, who do you project as right now the more solid shooter going in, especially in a draft that that's kind of been a lot of questions for, I mean, we're going to get down into a little bit later, but question marks on a lot of prospects. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jalen Green right now would be the, the shooter that you'd want to at least bet on. Uh, yeah. You know, if you were to say like, oh, you know, what guy is going to hit 38% sooner, Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green? Probably, probably Jalen Green. Um, you know, he, he's displayed, uh, you know, one of the things that he's just displayed is just being able to hit shots from anywhere, you know, whether it's a step back, off the catch. Um, it, for him, it's really just realizing how to um, shoot in the right situation because he has so much skill, you know. He can take whatever shots he wants. He can get to his spots. It's just a matter of, hey, I should probably take a more efficient shot, you know, off the catch rather than waiting or rather than going off the dribble for a step back, you know? Okay. So that's, yeah, I would say Jalen Green's the guy to bet on that. Okay, cool, cool. I like that for sure. So we got those two kind of sorted out as well. I'm intrigued, especially by, like you said, where Green fits. I love him in Houston with Kevin Porter Jr. I just think that's a lot more of a, it it just feels like it meshes a lot better in my brain than having Wood and Mobley, even though that would work as well. Uh, They still have John Wall, you know, Steven Silas has done a great job in terms of putting players in positions to succeed. um, And I think that will help as well. So I'm excited for that. Evan Mobley as well. Um, We kind of got to go even Suggs. Suggs in in Toronto, I feel like it's even understated because it it makes sense. Suggs, that cerebral type player, Toronto's that type of organization, developmental system, et cetera. So bomb on that. Um, now we get kind of in that iffy mode for me. Uh, five, <laughs> yeah. six, seven. Uh, you kind of went into a little bit, but let's talk. Uh, I mean, I was surprised to see Jalen um, um, James Booknight in there, um, but he definitely makes a lot of sense. I want to kind of dive in him a little bit, why he fits uh, even more so, like you so said, Oklahoma City in terms of the shooting. But we got to kind of separate between Barnes and Kaminga. I feel like they're not the exact same type of player at all. I don't want to even do a, a disservice to them as players and myself as even being able to watch them but you have these long lengthy players 
who offensively are somewhat challenged. Um, defensively, if you're Scotty Barnes, you're just amazing, especially with his physical traits. If you're Jonathan Kaminga, you're just bursting with potential. But like a lot of questions, especially if you're trying to anchor your franchise potentially to these players. What is your kind of evaluation of both of them a little bit after you know what you've seen so far? And I know you seem higher on Scotty Barnes than what you said. Um, so what is it about Kaminga that's maybe more of a concern? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for starters, you know, Scotty Barnes is a defensive savant, like you said, he, but he's also a guy who can be a floor general. You know, he, he played point guard at Florida State, uh, and he, he's a guy who, you know, I'm not saying he's going to play point guard in the NBA, but he is a guy who can, you know, be a secondary playmaker for you, uh, potentially, in the long run. And, uh, you know, he's also a guy who just has very good vision. Uh, you know, whether or not the pass is actually accurate, that's kind of up in the air sometimes. But, you know, he's the guy who actually you can see it happening and he's ready to make those passes. Okay. Um, Kuminga is more of just like a, he's more of a projection. You know, uh, he's so young. I think he's like 18 and a half right now. Uh, you know, this is his first time really playing like I would say like super organized basketball, you know, with a ton of money really dedicated into it. You know, if he was playing college or if he was playing anywhere else, you know, it'd be a little different, but uh, the thing with Kuminga is, you know, like you, you can see where the potential is probably like every game. I'd say like 30% of the time you, you see the play, like the weak side block, or you see, you know, him go for a hezzy and that cross and then just break mm. the guy down. Um, but then it's, what does he do after that? You know, what is the decision he makes outside of that situation? Um, so right now I would say I have Barnes above okay. Kuminga just because you can bank on something you can bank on his defense and you know he's also going to be a contributor uh you know as a guy who's switchable uh and also you know a guy who's communicating like he's going to raise your defensive floor right off the bat uh Kuminga is more you know hopefully he figures it out um but you know he's so young it might be two three years before it actually is realized yeah definitely I mean he is what 18 yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, and we'll be just, yeah, he's going to be definitely a lot of time to kind of flourish or grow into a role. Um, I guess, I mean, obviously, I guess the swing factor for both would be shooting. What would be, and this is kind of a curveball question, what would be like the next thing that you would look at to kind of separate uh, Barnes coming to be that kind of guy potentially? Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. Like, Kuminga definitely has more potential to be the guy, um, you know, because, again, those flashes, you can see clear as day. Like, this is what he's going to do to become, you know, 20 points per game type of guy in the NBA. Um, I'm not saying he will, but obviously, but, you know, you can see it. You can see the moves that are, you know, prototypical of, uh, you know, your Kawhi Leonard's, your Paul George, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty Barnes is more of a guy who you're going to be you're going to be going towards, uh, you know, you're going to be, you know what you're going to do on defense. Offensively speaking, though, the shot's a lot. It's got a ways to go. Um, to even think he's going to be a, you know, a good shooter, you know, off the catch in the long run, like even in the next two, three years, that's tough. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a workshop type deal. Yeah, like he, he's definitely going to be an iffy shooter. But, like, here's the thing, you know, if he, let's say he landed in OKC, you know, the, the front court is Pokushevsky and him. Like, it's the perfect contrast. Because you have you have two guys who really complement each other. One can shoot and maybe not as you know uh, uh, is beneficial on defense right now, just because he's a rail, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have Scotty Barnes, who's able to communicate and help you out in that end, um, you know, and not really be a, a really big issue with floor space because you have that guy like Poku. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, for like the secondary skills, let's put it this way: it's like uh, Barnes is probably you know 
all defense, that's what you're going to be banking on. And then secondary, passing. Passing is going to be the thing that's going to help you out a lot. Um, you know, especially too, like he can be taking advantage of you on post-ups, on smaller defenders. Uh, he can do that. Uh, for Kaminga, you know, I think right now you're, you're banking on at least the weak side help and the, the off-ball awareness. Yeah. Uh, that's what you're really hoping works. And then outside of that, it's going to be the self-creation. Uh, the self-creation, you know, off the dribble is really what's going to separate him from all these other guys if it really does pop. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. I'm definitely obviously intrigued on that as well. Um, looking at, and you dropped him already, but James Booknight, um, especially where you have him currently, Oklahoma City, I've seen some Orlando Magic, obviously someone that's going to be in that top 10, uh, 6'5", 20 years old, someone I guess who can create his own shot without having to necessarily have an action run or the pick and roll or anything there. Um, what else do you see from him in terms of, I guess, a shot creator? Is there any concerns for him within that kind of role or is he someone that's going to be like a plug and play like you already know what he is maybe not as necessarily a high ceiling but someone's going to come in and, and just get to work yeah i think there's two issues right now uh one's the three-point shooting which I, I think if you look at the full context makes sense because he did have a broken arm uh like eight months ago so oh, okay you know if you're if you're if you're messed up like that you know that's gonna that's gonna hurt your percentages Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, I don't think he's a shot. Uh, let's see, let me look at his numbers. I don't think he's shot above thirty percent though uh, in nine yeah. years. I, oh, playing? see, I didn't know about historical. I know that it, as a sophomore, he made what twenty nine percent last year, this past year. So I knew yeah. he wasn't good, but I didn't know that's been a thing in general. So maybe that is like a bigger sign of just maybe not having as consistent or as accurate a range from out there. Okay, so I lied. Thirty four point seven his freshman year. So he, oh, okay. I think, I think it was really that broken arm that really did hurt him a little bit. And he, you know, he's above eighty percent both years. Hundred so, percent, yeah. And, you know, the eye, like the form looks good. Uh, there's nothing structurally too bad with that. Um, it should be fine. Um, so yeah, I would say like right now it's the three point shooting, making sure that is legit. And then the second thing is his passing. Right now his passing is not amazing and it's not because it's tough to really figure out if that's because of the role he was put in or if that was because he's just missing guys mm. um you know like the if you tune in the most UConn games like you know, there's going to be at least two three four possessions where you know he goes let's say he drives to the left wing opposite corners a guy wide open the help's already committed to him mm. you know easy pass um, but he's going to take that tough shot at the rim now Again, I don't know that context. Maybe the coach was like, hey, you're you're the guy, you know, go for it. Because they didn't have a whole lot of help at UConn. That's a fact. Uh, so maybe, again, maybe he was just he was going at it, trying to get his shot, uh, instead of I'm going to try to facilitate as much as possible. Okay, and having that balance. Okay, cool, cool. Wow, well, there's my last question on book night. But where do you like him better? Uh, between the Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I feel like with the Thunder, you know, at this point, both teams are at stage one of their rebuilds. I think Oklahoma, you could say, is probably stage two now. Um, I mean, they're still continuing stage one because they tried this last year where Orlando just started blowing, you know, the team up last year, letting go of Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gorin, and the like. But now you're trying to kind of build identity. I feel like Orlando already is starved for scoring, perhaps, for sure. I think they're 29th in offense efficiency. But they also need shooting. And, you know, if, you know, his arm is kind of the, the, the key factor for the reason he shot so bad from three, then that makes sense. If not, you're still looking at someone who is, you know, at this point right now, 29% three-point shooter joining a, a group of uh, guards already. You already have, you know, Cole Anthony. RJ Hampton, Marco Fultz, all these guys are already kind of iffy shooters on their own, or at least streaky, I'll say. I'm on that end. For Oklahoma City, 
kind of wide open, I guess. You have Shea. SGA, although he's been talked about and I guess, you know, offered for Cade, which of course, why not? I mean, I get that, <laughs> but not really sure about his availability there, but you have him, uh, you have Lou Dor, and it's, it's pretty much wide open. But with that being wide open, are you saying, okay, Book Knight, you are one of the guys we're going to turn to, you know, with that six pick as a guy we're going to start maybe not building around, but looking at you as one of our potential foundational pieces. Uh, where do you think Book Knight, like, is probably going to fit in? I think you already mentioned that, but kind of like where he should for his own development. Well, I think uh, on paper, I think Orlando would be a really fun fit um, just because you have all those really versatile defensive rangy wings and Shimo Kiki, uh, Jonathan Isaac, you know, obviously Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter are, you know, they're bigs, they're not wings, but they're, you know, defensive first guys. Um, and I think I'm forgetting someone else. But, uh, you know, my point being is like, you know, oh, you yeah, can play three guard lineups. No problem, you know, and you can also do that in OKC too. They tried it out before with Shooter, SGA, and Chris Paul, and that worked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there really is a resurgence. Both of these teams have very tall guys in their front court that can excel on the defensive end. Uh, and you can you can just plug Book Knight in. You know, he's 6'5", who, uh, you know, granted, it might be kind of funky at first, but, you know, if uh, if you're in Orlando's position, you know, and you're coming off of a year where you're 29th in the entire league for scoring, I mean, you could do not, worse. Yeah, you know, why not take a bet on a guy who might be putting up 20 points per game in his first two seasons? Okay, I'm definitely with that. I, I'm intrigued by his fit and what he looks like coming in um, as a potential starter. But I guess kind of going from that to other guys, and these are two other guys I'm, I'm curious about, heard a little bit about. Um, one is just a complete question mark, and I guess even when I've been hearing about him, he's a complete question mark. That's uh, Alperin Sangoon. Mm, um, yeah. And the other guy I think I've heard a little bit about, I'm intrigued by him, uh, Moses Moody. Uh, looking at those two, I guess we could start with with Sangoon, who seems basically like a traditional like post up center. Um, I mean, doing it very well in the Turkish league. I think it was MVP there, only eighteen. Um, definitely like a back to the basket type of game. But he is someone that I've heard a lot of noise about recently. I'm sure as you have as well. And it's kind of crazy, like not out of nowhere, but just it doesn't. It doesn't seem like the skill set is exactly like oh perfect fit like Evan Mobley per se in the modern NBA big, and yet he is mocked so high in many drafts uh, what do you think about Sengun personally yeah I mean the thing with Sengun is uh you know what he did in Turkey which is you know outside of EuroLeague probably the next best league in Europe uh you know so winning MVP at 18 there that's insane um, mm-hmm. what I'm not saying it's on Luca's level but it's you know it's getting to be that level now I'm not saying he's going to be Luca level player you know like a top yeah. five can help a player off the bat of course but, um you know, we got to remember is, you know, he has exceptional touch inside. He's a very high IQ passer, um, you know, especially when he's in the mid post, you know, he can just hit cutters in, um, in tight pockets, you know, and, you know, this is a guy where, okay, the jump shot's not there yet, but no. the touch around the rim and in mm. the mid range is really nice. Uh, you know, it's at a level where it's very encouraging. And me personally, like, I'm going to bet on the guy who has great touch. Um, rather than just raw numbers or if the form is perfect. Um, because, you know, again, he's so young. If we're talking about a guy who's 20, 21, it's a different story. But he has a long ways to go, uh, to grow as a person and as a player. Okay. And, uh, you know, I kind of like to think of him, I don't like comps that much, but he, he kind of has some similarities with Kevin Love if the shot starts working. Oh, wow, okay. Um, you know, because he is that level of rebounder on the offensive end. Uh, defensively too, you know, assuming, assuming he's with a decent matchup, uh, you know, he can take advantage of that as well. Uh, you know, he's a good passer, whether 
with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, you know, the shot's on its way. It might be another year or two before it's really too dependable, but at the same time, uh, this is a guy who is very high IQ. Like, he, he just does little things. Like, if you, if you have him on, um, like, a pick and roll, he knows how to fill the gap really well. Like Kai Jones, uh, who's another, you know, high upside guy uh, mm-hmm. forward, he, you know, he doesn't do that very well. Um, he has he has trouble really finding that gap and really maximizing where he can, you know, just grab the ball and go. And make one yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think it really just comes down to feel. Uh, Alperen Shingun, I think, is uh, – you're right, though. It's, it's tough for him to slot into a lot of teams. But at the same time, if you buy a few things like the shot and if you also buy at least the defensive IQ being a, a decent level, uh, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to help you out for a while. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued by him as well. I've seen, I mean, so many different teams you could possibly go to Sacramento, other teams in that nine to 13 or whatever range. I've seen as high as eight and some. That's pretty wild. Um, okay, so my last, like, main question specifically on players. I uh, mentioned Moses Moody, but I also want to throw in other shooters I've heard, um, Trey Murphy and, and Corey Kispert. When you look at those three, um, all three seem to be guys who can like fit right in. I think you probably have more upside in Mo and, and Moody being a guy who can like maybe take on some more offensive initiation. But like, I love Trey Murphy in terms of the size. I'm big on that. It reminds me of uh, not at all in terms of players, but the T Murphy, Troy Murphy from years back in terms of that big shooter. <laughs> That's just where I'm at. And then Corey Kisberg, who I've heard a lot of comparisons, he gets somebody who just come right in and 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 fill a role. Um, what do you think about those three in terms of who may possibly, I guess, not struggle? the worst, but who might have the, the hardest time fitting in since all three of these guys seem to be pretty solid in that area. Um, and which guy, let's say out of, you know, the three or someone you could look at in two or three years time and say, you know what, they expanded their game. And I kind of saw this happening. Yeah. I think, uh, I think honestly, Trey Murphy is probably the guy that's going to struggle a little bit more than the other two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even a knock at Trey Murphy. It's just that he, you know, he's a very specific role. Like he excels at what he does in catch and shoot situations. And he's also, a, you know, a rangy versatile six foot nine wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, once he starts going off the dribble, uh, you know, for or off movement for his shots, uh, the form does begin to get a little wonky. Okay. Um, so that is one issue, you know, because if, if you're not a movement shooter, uh, it definitely limits what you can be on that end offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, as for a player that just had, like, has higher potential, they'll probably realize that I think Moses Moody is definitely the guy. Uh, I think, um, you know, he's a guy, you know, he can hit tough shots off the dribble, plus not to mention, you know, he's, I think, six, five and a half without shoes, and he has a seven-one wingspan. Uh oh. So kind of kind of like Taylor Horton Tucker kind of dimensions, um, not the weight, but just purely with the height and wingspan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. So he's a guy, you know, if uh, you know, let's just say the offense is already there. You know, if the defense really hits, I mean, again, a seven foot one wingspan, man, that's legit. You know, that <laughs> you just reach your arm out and you're already, you know, you're already halfway there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's that is like solid. A, that's a privilege that uh, you know not a lot of people have on the defensive end. Um, so I think Moses Moody really has that potential, though, to be um, someone that really looking back and, you know, we ask ourselves how is he not top five or even top seven. 
Wow. Okay. I like that. That's, that's pretty cool. Okay. I'm definitely intrigued by that. Um, I guess this is where I turn it to you. I'm interested in, in, in sleepers guys. You may have, you know, that the, you've already reached the limit of Corbin's uh, draft expertise. And so thank you for this <laughs> ride for those who are interested. We've gotten there. I think we slowly worked from the top three down to, you know, mid lottery. So congrats on that. Congratulating myself. So funny. But, yeah, back, man. There we go. I appreciate it. <laughs> But this is why I'm really happy to have you on as well. Just not only your expertise so far, um, Clayton, but also, um, you know, you've been doing a lot of work on this draft. You've been looking at these players, um, not only just the periphery type of feel, but also the deeper dives and such. So who are some guys you see, you know, later in the first, maybe the second that you are big on for whatever reason, whether you feel they haven't been talked about enough, whether they have and you don't care, you want to add some more light to that. Uh, let's get some of your guys, because I'm definitely intrigued to have them on my radar uh, tonight by this point. Yeah, well, uh, Usman Garuba is one guy that I, I'm just a really big fan of. You know, he's like an undersized big man, um, but similar to Mobley, like he has those intangibles, like he, he's just smart, you know, like he, I don't know, it's like he has a sixth sense for, okay. you know, when you're going to be going for a shot and what you're going to be doing. He, he just he does his homework and he, he puts it all on the line. Um, you know, again, really athletic frame. He's like 6'8", 230, uh, you know, really powerful athlete. Uh, you know, the knock for him is just the offense. Uh, so he's probably going to be a, a small ball center in the NBA. Uh, that being said, though, you know, again, like we see guys like Bam Adebayo who are flourishing, you know, who are, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, uh, you know, and they have that touch. But the other thing with Usman that makes him really interesting is he's an underrated passer. Uh, you know, like like Alperin Shangun, you know, he was able to you know, hit those cutters on bounce passes in the tight pockets. Uh, and he was doing that against, you know, legit competition against grown men. Wow. Wow. Okay. Solid. All right. That's someone, and where do you think he's going to be kind of drafted around? Uh, it's tough. I mean, if someone, like, if Minnesota really wanted him, you know, mm-hmm. like, I could totally see, like, a mid-first a mid first round pick put on him. Uh, maybe somewhere in the 16 to 22 range, I would think, is probably where he gets taken. Uh, okay. That would be my guess. Okay. But uh, to say I have sources about this would be lying. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, of course. No, just your own expertise. I trust, obviously, the work you've done and put in on this. So, no, definitely with you on that. Um, who are some other guys you have kind of out there? Yeah, totally. So, in our sleeper, um, I mean, we all know Jared Butler, but I think we just – we don't want to gloss over him too much right now just because he – I mean, he was excellent at catch-and-shoot jumpers. I think he shot in the uh, like the high, mid, mid to low 40s on threes, and then also on catch-and-shoot jumpers alone, he was in the – 89th 90th percentile oh wow um, you know yeah. on quite a few shots that were you know 23 24 25 feet out um so he he's really not phased when you get in his face i mean he's going to take excellent uh he's just going to be excellent really efficient um off the ball but also you know he can play make a little bit for you in the pick and roll uh you know as a secondary guy uh and you know i like him you know i remember you mentioned uh, you know some teams that you know that you'd want to see him with uh you know the lakers Okay. As you mentioned before, I think he would be excellent for the Lakers because he, he you can just slide him in, he can hit shots, he can play make for you a little bit, and he's also going to compete on the defensive end. Gotcha. So he's he's a guy like you know like Chris Duarte, Corey Kispert, in the sense that you want to win now, guy. That's going to be someone you want to take. Okay, cool, cool. I'm look. I mean, contenders lining up because that's kind of that fit guy, and I guess that would lead to my final question for you, or final like cluster of questions. Like, I have some teams. I already told you about that. I'm interested in that. I think um, I want to see like who you think the ideal 
fit for them would be in this draft. And so it's three teams. I guess you already mentioned one for the Lakers. If you have another, listen, as a Lakers fan, I will not complain. But where the Lakers are in the draft, at least as of right now, I think it's 22nd, unless they trade that pick. Um, they are in position there. Um, are you have anyone else that you're looking at for the Lakers? Um, I guess after that would be the Magic. And they're interesting just because of where they are at number five and number eight. And then last but not least, the Spurs, because I'm intrigued by what direction they decide to go through you know you, as of now pop is still coach you know you have a lot of young guys especially in the guard kind of position area um but they could be win now players if you're looking at jonte murray you're looking at Derek white um you know you have a young piece like Keldon johnson and, and lonnie walker as well who kind of swing more guard area um but you don't have a lot of like forwards or bigs unless you just want to stick with yaka Pertle. so what are your kind of fits you know in turn for each of those teams that you um would recommend um, at least kind of keeping an eye out for as a fan of these teams. Yeah. So for the Lakers, of course, we already mentioned Butler and then uh, I think another guy, Deuce McBride of West Virginia, he'd be a really fun guard there. Uh, you know, he, he's a chaotic defender. Like he, he's going to create chaos. Uh, if you are up against him, he is going to get in your face. He's going to, you know, just, just make your life miserable uh, in every way. Now to mention too, we also shot four one percent threes, you know, so he's also a guy who can stretch the floor and uh, help you out there uh, as a low usage option. He'll, he'll definitely be available at 22. Um, but what would probably be the guy most teams would shoot for um, beforehand. Okay. Um, not to mention too, there, there were some reports too that uh, Butler did have like a, a medical issue with, uh, with his heart. He has uh, been cleared okay. um, and he, he should be good. Uh, you know, again, I really hope he gets through that and that everything is good there. But at the same time, you know, some teams might evaluate that a little differently and he might actually slip because of that. Um, going to Orlando, I think, uh, you know, for eight and five right now, I mean, it's, I would really love it if Moody went eight uh, to Orlando. I think, you know, assuming they take one of those wings, at five, mm-hmm. you know, if you're taking Boop Knight and Moody, that's going to be a little, little yucky. Um, but, you know, Moody's, again, he's a guy who can hit you off the dribble. He's got that wingspan uh, combined with the height. So you can play him at the three, and he's not going to be, like, a defensive liability. You know? Oh, sick. Okay, definitely. Do you see him growing a little bit on that offensive end um, for Orlando, possibly having, okay, a guy who can come in and shoot, which is desperately needed, but maybe someone who can add a little more offensive versatility? We're not looking at him as, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm – I'm, taking away by saying we're not looking at him as someone who can hopefully be the best player in the magic in like three or four years but definitely a person that can kind of grow into like one of those top three like a core foundational piece of which i feel i have like maybe one right now yeah i mean jonathan isaac's probably that guy right now i mean for you know you always know the defensive the defensive you know top five uh ranking i I think we can all agree he can be at that level um Another guy, too, that, uh, you know, might help them out. I don't see him as a guy who's going to, like, you know, make or break your organization, um, you know, because that's star potential. But I, I think he, he's definitely a guy who can be very dependable, and that's Zaire Williams of Stanford. Okay, uh, yes. He's a 6'8 wing. He had some issues, you know. Uh, for one thing, uh, so Stanford's in Santa Clara County, California, and when COVID was going on there, you know, they, they couldn't really do anything. There was – Santa Clara County had barred all, uh, you know, um, physical sports uh, from going on. So they had to move to Santa Cruz and live in a hotel wow. and play out of that. So, you know, you're, you're a, you know, five-star athlete coming out of Sierra Canyon. You're getting all excited for, you know, all this reputability. Uh, and you can't even be on your campus for the majority of the season. 
Uh, and then not to mention, he also had a knee injury that's had him for a month. So, you know, again, it's like a five pound knee brace on a 180 pound frame. It's just, it's rough, man. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, Yikes. You know, so he had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, there was also some family issues that we won't get into, but like, you know, he just, he did not have a very, uh, 20, yeah, that year just did not treat him well, man. Uh, <laughs> it was just a lot going on. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's the guy where, you know, if the shooting really works, I think it was uh, in pick and roll situations uh, where he was the lead ball handler. Uh, I think this was on derived offense. This wasn't like a, not like a man-to-man. This was more just free-flowing. Um, he was, uh, I believe, 55th percentile in, you know, taking shots uh, when he was dribbling away from that pick. Um, so, you know, he is a guy who can potentially, when he's in rhythm, you know, he can just hop into that shot at, you know, six, eight and a half, you know, that's, so that's a skill set. Yeah. And you can hit deep threes, but you know, the other thing is too, that's like a little underrated about him is his passing pick and roll. You know, he was uh, 55th uh, percentile in overall pick and roll passing um, in purely passing situations where he, where he was gaining teammates in addition. Um, so, you know, he's a guy where uh, you can, if you have like a big, that's just diving, you know, he, he can make that quick decision to hit you. Um, or, you know, if it's a give and go situation, um, let's say you're, uh, you're, you're one guard or whatever, you pass to him in the corner and then you cut, he's going to find you if you're open. He's not going to hesitate on those decisions. Uh, so, you know, having a quick decision maker who is also selfless, uh, you know, at six, eight and a half, that's, that's big. A five. That's, that's a fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that, man. This was, this has been an interesting conversation. I'm only kind of going through some of this, but getting some of these guys, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for jumping on it. And, and definitely we have to have you back on again at some point here. Um, definitely. I, I know where obviously we can find you again on Twitter, y'all. 650 to 303 ball. Love that. Literally 605 to 303 ball. B ball. Let me get that <laughs> yeah. right. All together. Um, what are you going to be doing, you know, I guess tonight for draft night? What is, what is, where can we kind of find your work outside of, you know, where you, where you have um, currently going on? Uh, with uh, the what's it called prep hoops Colorado and of course hoop prospects like where are you kind of at we got to share we got to share your work out here yeah so I mean with prep hoops uh, you know I, sadly there's a paywall so you're gonna have to subscribe to them um, but if you do want to find the work you know I'll be covering Colorado prospects uh, you know pretty much anywhere around the Denver area um, we're just right now I'm looking for guys that are mainly class 24 and 25 um, those next guys up um, I will give a shout out to the collective squad if they're listening to this podcast. Uh, it's an AAU team, but uh, they've, they've just done a great job, uh, you know, mobilizing their guys and also pro skills. Uh, pro skills is a team, uh, Mike Shimodi as well as the head coach there with the 2022 squad. Um, but, you know, they, they got some really fun players. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Colorado Hoops gets enough reputability. Um, you know, right now, obviously, they're they're a little bit lower um, and on totem pole compared to you know, the rest of the United States. But mm. with women's basketball, they are probably top five, if not top ten in the United States. Wow. Um, for, yeah, for competitiveness. Like, I think they have four sponsored AU teams in Colorado. And, for example, like New York State only has four. Um, so, yeah, you know, like Colorado, it's, it's a growing state, too. Like, the other thing that people got to remember, like, I think there's right around 10,000 people every month moving in Denver um, from all walks of life. So you're getting a lot of people, um, you know, from different areas and different cultures that are, are meshing together to get a great, uh, great community there. Definitely. Uh, Having that culture seems really interesting too. Yeah. And we're seeing it come to fruition right before our very eyes. Uh, 2023, we got our own Colorado player, uh, Bay Fall, 
who's uh, six foot eleven. Really, he has similar build to uh, Evan Mobley, um, rangy, rangy center. Uh, he plays for the Colorado Hawks, and he's uh, going to be going to Denver Prep Academy. In the wow. Meantime, yeah. So uh, he's going to be traveling nationally. Uh, you know, so if you get a chance to check out Bayfall or Sonny Diop, he's one of his other teammates, uh, six foot eight forward who can play make a little bit. Uh, you know, check either of those guys out because they're going to be fun. Okay, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be on board with them, man. Definitely going to have you on. Hopefully we can get you kind of breaking down his game in some exclusive detail real soon. Thanks again, Clayton, for coming on, man. Really appreciate you here. And uh, listen, y'all, we'll have draft coverage shortly after. You can find me uh, by the time you listen to this tonight on our draft show. Check out m- myself on Twitter, uh, HoopBall on Twitter. Again, HoopBall tweets online, hoop-ball.com for more information there. Uh, make sure, again, check out Clayton and work he does. Uh, offseason is in full swing officially like tonight it's gonna it's here we are we are absolutely here you could say we're here after our trade with um between the Grizzlies and pelicans but now we might have some trades by draft we don't know we're definitely gonna have you know the weekend of a free agency coming along this is exciting i'm pumped but we're gonna let you go for now uh for clayton for myself we frosty y'all stay frosty and i'll talk to y'all tomorrow all right y'all This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.